Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back, everybody. It's Paul and Justine here. I hope you're enjoying the heatwave. Right, well, without further ado, James, can you start the show? Welcome, everybody, to the Voices from the Northeast podcast. Morning, podcasters. You know, I was born in North Seaton Colliery. When I, when I were a lad, I should have remembered that because my mother used to work for them. I'm champion for me, absolutely fine. And who doesn't make the selection box for breakfast? Eee, that was Christmas. Yeah. 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 She went flying over me, Paul, into Bustelic. Welcome back to the show then, everybody. I'm sorry for the gap between last episode and this episode, but, well, little James was poorly, then I was poorly, uh, but we are back on track now. And we're all fighting fit. Well, as much as we ever are. (laughs) So, Paul, I want to say that this episode is very much one of your kind of episodes. Do you want to explain why? Uh, Yes, it's a nerdy history one. Um, It's a good example of the new format that we were going to take with the show. Um, We've done our episode that was really current when we talked about um, recycling and we talked about what was going on in the food banks in Ashton and we talked to Justine Fox. Then we did our episode that was kind of, I guess, Northeast culture side when we talked to Worky Ticket Theatre Company. And we've now been and seen the show, which was called... Magnolia Walls. It was a few weeks ago now, I think. It was, it was. This is what I mean. Um, And it was really good. It was really thought-provoking, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we definitely came away with even more questions about... Life within (sighs) the the armed forces and and what it's like for families and, and... Yeah. Things must be run or appear to be run behind closed doors. Yeah. It was really, it was really, really good. And, and you know, um, worthy ticket theatre, well-deserved round of applause that they got. Yeah, they had a really great reception. Um, and then this episode is back to what the podcast started with, which is local history. It's a really interesting story. Um, and we're going back to World War Two. And it's very much a wow story from the town, which is, again, extra special i suppose to find something from our doorstep it is it is i've always been a bit of a nerd for world war Two, and and lament the fact that i didn't ask my granddad enough about his time during world war Two, um before he passed so to find a story like this which is i've seen people talking about it on facebook just recently and i managed to talk to we're going to, we're going to hear from a guy that i spoke to called rob mcginley who's local and um whose father and grandfather have a real fascinating connection back to this story and Asherton during the Second World War. Um, So I'm going to do this my way. It's going to be really nerdy. We're going to close the TARDIS doors. I'm going to set the temporal destination, Ashington, 1940. Can I say Geronimo? Yeah, I know. I am speaking to you from the cabinet room. 10 Downing Street. This morning, the British ambassador in Berlin handed the German government a final note stating that unless we heard from them by 11 o'clock, that they were prepared at once to withdraw their troops from Poland, a state of war would exist between us. I have to tell you now, that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently this country is at war with Germany. 
in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. On the 6th of June 1940, there was actually a, a British Beaufort bomber uh, was returning from a bombing raid on the, on the Ghent oil refineries. It had been damaged by flak, and as it was approaching the coast back home, it was caught in some searchlights at Blythe. Obviously, that would be blinding the pilot, so the pilot uh, flew lower to get out of the, the way of the searchlights so he could actually see where he was flying. And he hit a barrage balloon oh, cable. Barrage balloon. Oh, um, now, at that point, there was a couple of the crew bailed out, um, but there were still some crew that were in the aircraft when it hit fifth floor in Ashington. And it was there was one house there, number 77, was completely demolished, and two others were damaged. It's something that I've meant to, to pop up and have a look because there's probably some evidence, you know, maybe it's different colour brickwork or something yeah. like that. Yeah, we um, did. I, I did an episode. Oh, it's more than a year ago now. At Newbigin about the bombing of Newbigin Main Street, right. which, which right. I had no idea of. Right. Um, and the guy who was doing like basically a tour, where there's a whole episode on it, but he points out bits of actual um, pavement that are still from shrapnel damage from then, which is just oh, amazing. Wow. That's yeah, incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So if you know what you're looking for, you can you can exactly it, yeah pick it out. Yeah, there's a. Uh, there's a similar one in uh, North Shields um, that a friend of mine pointed right. out to me. Yeah. So yeah, so there was that. So there was that terrible um, tragedy in Fifth uh, Avenue, mm. Fifth Fifth Row. Sorry, not Fifth Avenue. And the other one that my, my dad often talked about was a bombing raid that uh, affected Limemouth. My dad's dad, Bobby McGinley, he worked in Ashington and Hurst at the at the co-op uh, shops and grocery departments. And there was some time in the Second World War that my granddad was asked to work at Limemouth's co-op and yeah, Dalton Avenue. And in 1941, there was uh, February 1941, there was a German bombing raid and a high explosive was dropped on, on Dalton Avenue. And, oh, wow. and uh, there was a, a lady, Lenora Athey. Uh, she was 42. She was killed. Uh, but not only was the someone sadly killed but there was a lot of houses were really badly damaged and my dad my dad's dad my, my granddad opened up the the rooms above the co-op so they could store the furniture there until the houses got repaired it's one of those things that you know i think when when times are really bad sort of communities pull together and that's obviously what wow. happened in uh, in that aspect as well yeah and we've seen that again recently i mean in, in the last few years a lot of that really of people yeah, not not always the big organisations that have helped people out. It's been the smaller people doing bits where they can, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it does a lot about uh, the kind of human spirit. I think doesn't it? Yeah. Definitely does. <laughs> and then what about this photograph then that you you shared on Facebook? The one that actually where we can see Asherton through oh, right. the plane. That is right. brilliant. The photograph that you're talking about, Paul, is uh, taken of a 
uh, a Luftwaffe uh, Heinkel 111 as it um, just entered uh, over the, the river Wandsbeck uh, near North Sea. And I found that online many, many, many years ago and I kind of just stored it in, in a file. I can't remember originally where it came from, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but I stored it and I, I'm an amateur historian. Um, and I, I spend a lot of time poring over old maps. And when I, when I saw that photograph, I thought, hang on a minute, that's flying over North Seaton Colliery. Um, and kind of overlaid on, on Photoshop, overlaid the map on, on onto that photograph. And it, it absolutely is. It's, it's flying over the Wandsbeck. Um, and you can see uh, to the top left, you can see uh, Hurst, um, Hawthorne Road, Hurst Park, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it kind of really, for me, it, it kind of really brought uh, it home that actually, you know, there was German aircraft flying over where I've spent quite a chunk of my life um, many years before um, with real hostile intent. So it's quite, it's quite sobering to get that, that photograph. My dad often talks about the, uh, the Anderson shelters that a lot of people used to have in the, in the back gardens and he used, to, he used to play in them with his friends. And the, and the other thing that he often mentioned at, at, uh, in the house that they used to live was they had a, a very, very strong kitchen table that had mesh sides. If the, uh, the, the sirens went off, that's where they would go. They would actually get inside this mesh cage, if you like, underneath, underneath this table. So that was, that was their bomb shelter. Whereas in other bits in Ashton, there was there's still there in some of the collie rows. There's, there's uh, there are still one or two of the, the concrete uh, roofed um, bomb shelters still exist. Yeah, I think most people are taking them down now, but uh, there's one or two left. It certainly, is there's a, the next door neighbours to, to my to my mum. They've still got their old bomb shelter on the back door. My dad used to have an outhouse at the the back of the house, and uh, used to call it his cubby hole uh, in in the backyard on Hawthorne Road. That's where he used to keep all sorts of weird and wonderful things, uh, some real treasures and some real junk, I think. But one of the things that, that really took my eye as a, as, a, as a young boy was this particular bomb that, that, that he had uh, high up on a shelf. I'm not entirely sure where it came from, other than uh, my granddad, my dad's dad, uh, Bobby McGinley. He was known as a fire warden during the Second World War, um, and he volunteered with a, a, a number of other uh, gentleman to uh, fire watch and he used to um, I believe it was on top of the old co-op building and that's where they used to go when they were when there was an expected bombing raid and they would go up there and they would see if there was any fires as a result of any bombing contact the, the fire brigade or, or whatever it would be and, and they, would, they would put uh, the fires out you know the second world war for, for kids was I think a lot yeah. of them, although it was quite an exciting time. My dad often said, you know, if there was a plane crash or whatever, they would they would scavenge any bits that they could and then they would swap them at school or whatever. So maybe it came from that. But the, the bomb itself, obviously, it, it didn't go off. Incendiary bombs don't go off. They, they, they simply just burn um, burn very, very brightly and hotly and, you know, set fire to buildings and whatever. Yeah. But my granddad had taken the bottom off um, and uh, cut a notch in the side and gave it back to me dad to use it as a money box. So, so my wow. dad... So my dad remembers actually whenever he had a little bit of pocket money, and that he used to put it in this World War Two German bomb. Good. Uh, we talk talk about make do and mend. I mean, oh, oh absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Unfortunately, the bottom's corroded shut now, so I can't use it as a as a, a money box. But I, I do <laughs> I do have it safely in my shed. I'm I'm a little bit frightened in case it uh, 
we ever had a house fire because I'm sure they're made of magnesium or something crazy and they're probably yeah, incredibly yeah. flammable. But yeah, it's, it's a nice uh, it's a nice connection with uh, that particularly difficult period of time that the northeast, as most of Britain, uh, was hammered by the the German Luftwaffe. Yeah, um, and and it's a, one of those things. It's a bit like the photographs we look at on Asherton Remembered. It brings like look at the story that comes with it. You know what I mean? It brings that yeah, to life. Yeah, absolutely, it? it does. a wow story like you said it really is i mean it we you know we talked whilst that was playing that the connection we have to that era now is just almost gone i had when i was growing up my granddad that i could talk to and i did not talk to him enough about it but when you work out that it's 82 Mm. years since that crash when i was young any old man i saw walking on the streets who looked the same age as my granddad was was in the war whereas now when you think an 82 year old walking on the streets they were a baby when the war was happening it's just insane to think of it like that yeah i was just saying as well when we were listening that to kids today the second world war is just a concept it's something that they're told Mm. happened and paul and i used to live in coventry and teach there and i'm a primary teacher um, and I had a year six class one year. They were learning about World War Two, but for mm-hmm. them in Coventry, yeah. you know, one of the biggest casualties in England of that Second World War, they had real history on their doorstep. We took them to the cathedral. Anyway. Yeah, we took them to the cathedral ruins. Um, lots of them had actually houses in the family, houses belonging mm. to grandparents, uh, who when we looked on the maps of where bombs had hit, they realised, oh, actually, that's my grandma's house. And so they went home and they asked the questions and found out actually their families had that direct connection. And it's just... And this is the thing about this. Uh, Rob, thank you very much, Rob, for taking the time to to, to verbalise this story. Because I know so it's articulately a story. as well. I know, and it's really evocative. It really is great to hear the story because the place where it's happened it is no longer there anymore mm. at all um and so it's really hard to visualize it unless you look at a map and see where the rows were where fifth row was and then realize that you know now it couldn't be more of a 21st century place in some respects because we've now got bp garage kfc, KFC. Aldi and whatever and a, and a really busy road whizzing along the side of where these roads would have been it's just it's really strange and, and I mean I love that the, the story is is fascinating and, and so much in that story is wonderful like when he talks about uh, um, his granddad working as like a, a an air raid warden and sitting on the top of the co-op building now if you look at the co-op building in Asherton it's probably about the only building in Asherton that you could look at and for a minute you could let your eyes fade into black and white and almost yeah. imagine what it must have been like sat right up on the top of that roof d- during an air raid, um, you know, and, and, and being an air raid one. And I'm really sorry because all my brain goes to here <laughs> is Dad's army and I can hear him shouting, put that light on But And, and I shouldn't make light of it. But, uh, yeah, put, put light on it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, doing really important work. I mean, crikey, you know, watching for lights as well as where fires come down so you can direct the um, the services to them. But it just makes me feel like it's even more important that these stories are shared because as teachers, if I'm teaching mm-hmm. a history lesson to kids about lo- what's, what's supposed to be local history, these are the stories that I yeah. think should be getting shared. It shouldn't be, you know, stories that someone in London has... Um, 
you know, a curriculum that someone in London has yeah, written, written to be delivered in the Northeast about uh-huh. the Northeast. But this is real history. It's tangible. And, and if you teach history in Ashton, you want to be able to say to kids, there are things around you yeah. that you can you can you can go and walk past the co-op building and have a look up and imagine what it must have been like. I, I loved that there was a um, there was a comment left on Facebook. Do you want to read what what that comment was? Because I I passed it to you. But mm, yes, people panicked as they thought it was a German plane. They panicked even more when they heard the sound of men marching. I know, but I love the fact that the marching then turned out to be the soldiers of the old home <laughs> guard. And I can imagine Manor and Wilson and, 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 and their counterparts. And I feel like I can say that because my dad's dad uh, was part of, of, of the home guard. Um, I just It's just really easy to put a picture in my brain for this one. Um, well, thank you very much, Rob, for coming on and talking to her about that. I really hope that's interesting for people um, to, to listen to that. And, and have that story brought to life a little bit for them. It was really interesting. And it's hopefully a, we can do more stories from that era. Yeah, it's a fantastic link as well to um, other podcast episodes. You know, we did the bombing uh, in New Biggin by the Sea, which again, you could go and see yeah, shrapnel I, I mean, marks in the curbs. That's know, a really interesting one. There's a, there are, there's a house down the street in New Biggin where you can see damage to the to the upper eaves of the house still. You can see damage on the on the pavement as you walk past because those pavement edged paths have never been changed. What does that say about the council? Um, but <laughs> but it's impressive and it's an incredible connection because we'd probably complain if they took them, them away anyway. Cause maybe they're preserving history. it. Yeah, maybe that's what it did. Um, but then there was also the really poignant episode, uh, the World War One letters of Private William Nutter. Yes, that was uh, that was another one we we did, and 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 that's a really nice one if if people want to listen to it. So, um, you can go back and find those episodes. Uh, they're all online and they're all free to listen to. Obviously, the bombing of Newbegin by the Sea and the letters of Private William Nutter, and that's sort of dramatizing the the letters that we found um, yeah. from William Nutter and explaining a little bit about his story during um, the First World War. Um, but yeah, if there's any stories out there, people listening from that era, you know, it might not be your story anymore. It'll be your granddad, your, your dad's, your granddad's, somebody's story that you would like to tell us so that it can be recorded. Yeah, let's keep them yeah. alive. Keep those uh, stories going. And these go into the Northumberland archive. So, you know, it means those stories are going to be kept time immemorial. Um, you can get in touch via our email address, which is podcastnortheast at gmail.com dead easy to remember that podcast northeast at gmail.com you can comment under these if you if you happen to listen to this episode via our facebook page you can comment underneath and get in touch you could message via facebook as well um that would be really great please also join our facebook page by giving it a like just search for voices from the northeast podcast we're a friendly bunch we don't clutter your news feed too much no no and it's all local history and and all um social history stuff that gets shared on there so it's what you're interested in anyway if you're listening to this part of the show okay um we have got some upcoming episodes i've I've actually got a note here to say that the next episode is going to be um about sweets that have vanished you know like the the sweets that you used to go and buy that you can't get anymore um will that be a marathon of an episode (laughs) i like what you did there um yes it will um um yeah um 
Yeah, it will. <laughs> it will. Sorry. Um, but actually, because of the fact that we're in the middle of a heat wave right now, I've just sent out messages to various people saying, can we talk about 1976? Because everyone seems to be talking about, well, you know, oh, it was hotter than this or we survived it in 1976. So we're going to try and sneak in a, a heat wave special over the next couple of days if we can. So listen out for that one. In the meantime, stay safe. Stay well, and we will be back soon.